Welcome to On The Line. I'm Jenny Robb, and today we are continuing our um, featured guest, Frank Giampaolo, um, and his book, uh, The Psychology of Tennis Parenting. And um, I'll do a quick intro to Frank, and then we will get into the book. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Frank Giampaolo is a veteran author who has been coaching since 1987. Giampaolo's innovative approach has earned him numerous honors, included being named the 2001 USPTA Southern California Tennis Director of the Year and being voted a top teaching professional in consecutive years by Southern California Tennis and Golf Magazine. Giampaolo founded the Mental Emotional Tennis Workshop in 2002. Since then, participants in the program have gone on to win more than 69 U.S. national titles. His students have won ATP and WTA tour singles and doubles titles. Giampaolo pioneered the Tennis Parents Workshop in 1998 and has conducted seminars throughout the United States, Mexico, Australia, and Canada. Uh, additionally, he hosts a blog site, uh, TennisParentSolutions.com, and you can also find him on YouTube. <laughs> Frank, thank you for being here. I'm so glad to see you. Hi. <laughs> You're looking good. I'm, I'm excited about uh, the chat. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so the title of this chapter, we are now in chapter six, is Thriving Versus Suffering. And uh, I love how you always start the chapter with a quote. And so this quote, um, don't be upset by the results you didn't get with the work you didn't do. <laughs> That is fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, I uh, I just have been super excited to get into this, and so uh, tell us a little bit, a little bit, excuse me, um, about chapter six. <laughs> well, chapter six does dive into more of the deep concepts in the tennis parent uh, job descriptions, mm -hmm. and it is basically we're talking about the idea about preparing kids for pressure. Mm -hmm. Not just in a tennis match, but in life. Correct. And how character traits and a moral compass and some of these really terrific life skills help them organize uh, their preparation. And then obviously, if their training and preparation is more customized and organized, they're going to get better results. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. So our first section, let me get my notes ready here. Um, so you start with the suffering. Um, mm. thought that was a good place to start, to go ahead. Because I think that's probably where most people would want to start. Uh, if, if you're suffering, you, you're looking for a, um, you know, a, a life jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so in the suffering, um, you tell a story, and I just sort of made a quick note that this player wants... <laughs> rankings, rewards, prestige, fanfare, um, but rankings with without the hard work aren't going to happen. Rewards without the struggle, not going to happen. Prestige without the process, not going to work. And fanfare versus the fight. And so I loved that story and kind of graphing it like that and saying, yeah, you know, we all want <laughs> these things and parents want these things for their kids. And coaches want these for their players. And so I thought it was an interesting place to start um, looking at the wants versus what you need to do to get that result. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so you go on to say a less physically gifted athlete with a better work ethic 
will outperform a more physically talented athlete with a weaker work ethic. There you go. You've seen it a million times. I, mean, <laughs> I immediately, I immediately thought of way back when when I was first. Um, actually, I met him when I was still playing. There were a pair of brothers, and the older brother was the one that was very studious, very hardworking, and really wanted to do all the things um, to to get the results he wanted. And the younger brother was more of you know kind of a playboy, so to speak. Um, not you know in a bad way but but less interested in doing the hard work that's for sure and and it this describes those two exactly because the younger brother was so talented you know he could walk out there and just play and do things and his older brother always had to work um but the younger brother couldn't beat the older brother even though the younger brother was the one that just had the talent uh in the, out the wazoo. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about that as a starting point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, obviously you, you've seen it too a million times and there are a lot of naturally talented, gifted athletes out there. Mm-hmm. There's just tons of them. And so many never get the opportunity. They're just not born into that type of environment, that type of family. Right. And so your kids, if you're a parent watching, they're extremely lucky. Uh, but it is our job as tennis parents to get them to understand that just because they're physically gifted and, and they're athletic, it doesn't really guarantee success. It really doesn't. It's really about the discipline and teaching discipline is, is one of the tennis parent, you know, job descriptions. Um, That's a major one. I mean, discipline yeah. is, is a major, major skill. <laughs> it really is. And if the kids are not disciplined, if the kids are not working and suffering in practice, they're going to suffer in competition. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they have to decide, do they want to be relaxed and, and, and um, do, do they want to just cruise during practice and not being that accountable? And it really is accountability, I think. Yep. But um, that's one of the keys we're trying to teach too from the tennis parent side is the accountability to go out there and do quality training that's customized to their development yes. instead of just the quantity of hitting for a couple hours a day, right. just because they're hitting doesn't mean they're improving. And, uh, and you know, you know more than most people that if athletes are not growing and improving every week, they're not going to beat the better people that they want to beat. That's right. And so you know, growing and improving comes before beating the better people. Yep. And buying into that is not easy for a lot of kids. No, it's not. Um, and and you follow that up uh, by saying for all athletes, including the physically gifted, properly handling the pain of training determines success. Who you are is defined by how hard you are willing to work. So yeah. I, like, I like that the word willing is in there um, because there's an idea of, of able to and willing to, <laughs> and yeah. are you able and willing to do the work? And so I just like the, the fact that the word willing is in there. So who you are is defined by how hard you are willing to work. So will, willing and able. <laughs> yeah, willing and able. And yeah. we all know that it's, it's part of like, 
it's part of human nature. We we tend to always slide back to the comfort, the comfort zone. And look, I know, and most people know that it, an analogy maybe is being on a good diet program. We know what to do. That's right. We just choose not to do it. That's right. That's right. So that's that's and and, and that's a, a personal one for me. It's like uh, you know, I'd love to. Um, lose a few pounds but uh i'm surrounded by good food all the time and it's it's discipline is, discipline is tough <laughs> yeah with your family being in the restaurant business making making, making good nutritious choices uh i need to uh step up my discipline there but um so we go on to oh. the next section and it is titled intangibles and so another really fun word, you say intangibles or software skills directly related to the character traits of a future college team member. And I, that's a big statement. Like, I, I like how, how you just immediately go right in and go, okay, we're talking about character traits. You know, we're talking about the software, which we've already uh, identified as, yeah. um, you know, your mental and emotional aptitude. And then future college team member you kind of go oh well don't they just want me to be good <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <me> win <laughs> so <laughs> um you go on to say character traits are the core values and moral qualities present in an individual parents of college bound athletes have very important jobs education of positive character traits so then we get into what those traits are, but uh, tell us a little bit about how you developed this idea and, and this list of, of traits we're about to go through. Well, one of the ways I really understand this process is you know, here in Southern Cal, I work with the, um, the SCTA and which is the USTA branch, right? And, mm -hmm. and we do a lot of high performance and, mm -hmm usually when we see players out there and they're really doing well, they're really buying into the process. Mm -hmm. um, they're doing these things that most kids are not willing to do. Right. And so, and then for me, then if I go and I do some other private sessions with kids that are not in the top 10, you know, mm -hmm. you, you see all these character traits and life skills and, um, Often the idea is that parents just think that sports are going to teach these skills mm -hmm. and tennis doesn't really necessarily teach life skills and character traits. It exposes the bad ones. Exactly. Yeah. So we see things like grit, the kids that are able to really fight it out and figure out problem solve, figure out how to win the match in the second set. Mm -hmm. That's what we see with the kids that are top 10. They're not more physically talented. Right. They don't have better strokes. The strokes are about the same as the kids ranked top right. 50. Right, right. So it's not strokes. It's actually the intangibles like like grit, like this book. We talked about a little bit in the book. Yeah. But grit grit is number one. If you, if you have the book and want to follow along, it is on page 77. Mm. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> right. Um, so grit is the, yeah. the number one on, on your list. And so just like you were describing, uh, you write courage and resolve strength of character and so yeah. yep that's good a good one obviously um in fact there's a book just titled grit and i cannot remember the author right now but it's a great book um so next we move on to motivation uh the reason or reasons 
for attaining your goals. And we've talked some about, you know, intrinsic, you know, external versus internal uh, with your goal setting. Um, So just like you were talking about the, the camps and workshops that that you've been running. So the motivation that the kids are actually going to take the time to do it and they want to participate. Um, So what, 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 led you to put motivation on this list? Well, I think the athletes have to buy into their why, which is why are they working so hard as a kid? Exactly. And usually their long-term, their motivation, for most kids, they're saying, I want to play college tennis, whether D1, D2. I mm-hmm. want to play college ball. I want to be like athletic royalty in college. Mm-hmm. They want to get the the full ride scholarship, the free computers and books and the free tutor that helps them and goes to classes for them. Mm -hmm. They want the free food and beverage credit card. They want the better (laughs) dorms. Uh, They want the free physical PT training and massage. I mean, the list goes on and on about all the perks of being a college player. And I think if parents can take their kids to college matches mm. and understand how, how incredibly great it is just to be a college athlete mm-hmm. that helps them find their motivation. It helps them find their why. Yes. I could not agree more. And also college matches, you know, they're, they're free <laughs> to go to, you know, and, um, it doesn't have to be a huge, you know, school. There are colleges with teams all over the place. And so it's yeah. not difficult to do that, to take your your child, take your player to a college match and kind of see what the atmosphere is like. Um, we've talked about expectations before. So you were just listing all the perks, which definitely help motivation um you know but yeah i do think that seeing a match it it can make a tremendous difference um that that's a great thing to do um so next uh number three is trustworthiness Mm. Um, and you say the ability to be relied on as honest or truthful okay tell us about trustworthiness well that's one of the concepts too that college coaches are looking for they want the they, they want honesty they want they want a child to be an adult they want them to be reliable and they are helping you know a 17 18 19 year old kids and their brains aren't even fully developed yet really but they want right. them to have all these skills and the truth is even 14 year old kids, we have to train them like they're already 18. Mm-hmm. And we have to get them used to the concepts of that they have to be mature enough to have all these life skills and character traits mm-hmm. way before they even get the college scholarship offer. That's right. They're not going to learn this stuff after they get the scholarship. They have to have it before they get the offer. You know, and I think I think this is um this is a, th- a theme that that we've talked about all the time, but <laughs> the, the idea of ownership. And so yeah. the idea of ownership and trustworthiness, it's like, can the parent trust that the, the child is going to be drinking water, you know, hydrating? Can, can they trust 
their child to pack their bag? You know, can they trust their child to know what to say when they break a string? Go to the stringer. What time, what kind of know what string you use, <laughs> know what yeah. you string at, you know. So these things, I think that that goes back to trustworthiness in in a form of ownership. Um, that we want to be able to trust the athletes as a coach and as a parent to take care of the things that they can do on their own, you know. Yeah. And so, so I love that trustworthiness is on there. Um, then the next one is one of my favorites. Uh, number four, we have gratitude, uh, mm. the appreciation of actions and benefits bestowed upon you. Um, that one's huge. <laughs> you know, teaching gratitude is, is, it will help you yeah. through life. I mean, it, it just, that's a huge one for me. Um, so, so talk a little bit about, um, gratitude being on this list. <laughs> Grat gratitude to me is really a trait that's modeled by the parents and as the parents uh show gratitude appreciation um for what they have children tend to copy that mm -hmm. and they are watching they're paying attention yes and they're yes. listening and mm -hmm. so our attitude our, our positive character traits or negative character traits are, are just going to be copied and uh we see that all the time. I think it's really important for parents to understand that what you're doing is something that they're paying attention to. Um, an example, I was just starting to train a new athlete in Florida. I was there for, well, for the first week. And at the tournament, when I'm first getting to know this family, mm -hmm. uh, the father, and we won't mention any names. We won't, right? Uh, <laughs> right? But anyway, so we're... Uh, on the freeway the 95 in florida and it's very very busy right of course there's a mm -hmm. huge line of traffic trying to get off the freeway so he goes around everybody cuts the line ditches in front and then curves around the side of the road and and, and gets in front of everybody well what is he teaching his child sitting in the back seat his 14 year old kid right. is learning that rules and laws don't apply to us Right. And then interestingly, right. when I see this kid play in the matches, he's cheating his guts out. Oh. Yeah, I get the umpires are calling and big war. And, you know, and I knew quickly that I got to get out of here. I'm not teaching this kid. It's right. It's it's a nightmare because it's <laughs> it's nurtured. And That's right. so That's right. they're watching. Absolutely. They're watching. Um, you know, it's like. It's always funny if on a TV show or a movie or something, the the little kid will say a you know bad word or something, and ah, because oh, where'd you hear that? You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, moving on, and again, I love how these all kind of build together. Um, is accountability. Yeah, you know, we love talking about accountability. You say in the book, uh, the condition of being responsible for your actions. So pretty self-explanatory there. But but accountability again, get, get, these themes all overlap in such a positive way. Um, so let's talk a yeah. minute about accountability. <laughs> well. It is the foundation, isn't it? It's the foundation of any child getting good at anything. It's their personal accountability. Mm -hmm. um, and we see it a lot as coaches because um, often in training, we're 
we're coaching, we're trying to teach something and, and they hear the, the words, they hear the sounds, but it's, it's coming in their ears, but they're not really listening. It's not going into their brain. They're right. not really digesting it. Um, so then obviously we see them in a match later and they're going right back to their old unproductive habits mm -hmm. and they, they just drift right back because they're not being accountable for understanding and buying into some of the new concepts that the coaches are trying to teach. Yep. And uh, that idea of, of buying in, you know, being open-minded, actually, I think that's on the list somewhere, but, but, you know, the, but uh, the buy-in is huge, you know, cause, cause especially teenagers, you know, what they know from what they've been training to, to the point where they are, they, there's a certain level of, of trust in what they know how to do. And if they've had a little bit of success and then somebody, another coach or trainer wants to change something, um, yeah. you know, buy-in is, is it, it's huge. I mean, how do you get that player to buy in and trust you and, you know, be accountable for, you know, their actions on and off the court, yeah. you know, you know, part of this though is our, um, it's our fault as coaches, maybe because we're not explaining to the parents and the athletes that it does take like four to six weeks to reroute a motor program. So if you're changing mm -hmm. mechanics in a stroke, it mm -hmm. takes a while. If, if we're changing uh, character trait habits, mm -hmm. that might take months to reroute. Mm -hmm. So it's not easy. It, it, right. And so, you know, when they go back into a match and now pressure hits, they tend to default back to their old ways. So I think it's important that we see that it's going to be one of these situations where maybe they're doing something the old way uh, 50% of the time, and they are buying into the new way 50%, which is terrific. We mm -hmm. need to acknowledge that. And then maybe mm -hmm. say things, look, let's, let's see if we can get to 75% of the time you're doing your in-between point rituals correctly. And 25% of the time you're, you're skipping them. And, and then we'll take it into these small little manageable goals. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's so important too. And, and it's part of a bigger plan too, as you get to a point where you're looking at your calendar and you're, you're choosing the tournaments you're going to play and so you have to organize your, your training to perform where you, where you want to perform at those, at those events. And so as you look out into the future, how are you organizing your training and everything yeah. that goes into it, which goes right into our next um, uh, solution <laughs> uh, is commitment, the position of yeah. being dedicated to your cause. Um which, yeah, I mean, you can't be one foot in and one foot out, you know, if, if relating to what you want your results to be anyway. <laughs> yeah, right on. And it's not, and, 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 you know, it's not bad if your child plays tennis as a hobby. Right. It's fine. You play high school ball, enjoy it, socialize, have a ton of fun. That's great. But. We all as coaches have issues if the athlete says with their words they want to play D1 college, mm -hmm. but their actions are not committing to that mm -hmm. to that goal, right? That long-term goal. Right. And so that's the key is their words have to match their actions. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Um, next, uh, number seven is respectfulness. Um, mm. A curious regard for others' feelings or situations. Um, I, I just, uh, respect is, is so important. Um, it, and, and it's so interesting how things change and evolve with technology and, you know, the ability to be in contact uh, with anybody just about any time. And yeah. Um, you know, it's, 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 and there are boundaries that come with that, you know, as far as what time of day somebody might be trying to get in touch with you, you know, is, is that respectful? Are you thinking of, you know, your, your, your parents, your coaches, you know, and that on each side, you know, the, the coach needs to respect the parents role too. You know, a lot of times you'll see coaches that just don't want to have anything to do with the parent. They just want, mm -hmm. you know, the, the the payment for their services and and like you said the modeling of that um the child is seeing that so is the coach being respectful is the parent being respectful because the kid's watching like you yes. said so then it's on them to be respectful um but but yeah talk a little bit about why that one is so meaningful well I I feel like we should have, give the same respect to the janitor that, that, that as like the CEO of the corporation and mm. everybody deserves that kind of respect. Um, from parents, we can teach our children that maybe when the coach is talking, mm. they make eye contact, they hold the tennis balls and not bouncing balls and, yes. and, and looking at the trees and things <laughs> like that. And, you know, I think that's meaningful, and and they they have a a conver conversation about the topics that the coach is trying to deliver, and they want to make sure they buy into the the topic. They're really hearing it and listening deeply. So maybe that's more of what we would call it active listening. It's it's different, right? When they yeah. really yeah, when you're buy actually in. taking it in, you're absorbing it. You know, yes, it, it means something we to you when it. you hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't just kind of roll over you when you when you really take it in and absorb it, and then it may change your mind about an action that that something maybe you wish you hadn't done. I mean, I, I certainly I remember. Of, uh, oh gosh, this is embarrassing, but I was playing a tournament <laughs> and I was sixteen or seventeen, and um. Sunday you know it's like semifinals and this girl anyway it was got contentious <laughs> and um I was up a set and up in the second set and I I got my bags went up to the net and shook her hand and I was like you can have it I'm out <laughs> and I look back on that now and I'm like that was not respectful. <laughs> just, <laughs> that was not the right thing to do just because I got irritated or frustrated or whatever. And I, I remember my dad was at the match and he was like, what just happened? You were up a set and you were up in the second set. What? And I was like, I just, I went, eh. <laughs> yeah, I felt like she was cheating me. It's like every little thing yeah. I just kind of wasn't goes back to able and willing am i able to get past you know yeah. the the cheating and the the behavior you know am i willing to 
then do what I have to do to continue and finish the match. And so I'm telling on myself by saying that's one that I would go back and I would, I would change my actions. And, uh, you know, so, so again, as these things develop, you can go, okay, I didn't handle that the best way I could have. Yes. <laughs> Future, I can handle this better, but I have to be able and willing to do so. Um, <laughs> and the next one, which is, is, is again, so meaningful, um, integrity. Uh, so mm -hmm. having a solid moral compass and principles. Um, and again, I mean, in life and whatever you do, uh, you hope to have integrity you know it's and it, it goes back to trustworthiness like accountability commitment all these things you know if i'm working with a kid and you know you're in sort of a time crunch and you might say okay i want you to come i'm going to trust you to do the dynamic warm-up and and hit a couple of balls before so that when you you get here we're, we're going to go right into to what we're we're doing and so yeah. the integrity would be i I don't see you do it. You can tell me that you did. And I don't know. So do I, as a coach or as a parent or, or you know, can't, can't, are you, is that integrity? Are you actually going to do it and be like, yeah, coach, now I'm ready. Um, or, you know, your mom asks you, you know, do you have everything all set up your bag? You have extra strings, you know, and somebody, a kid might just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But do you? Or, yeah. <laughs> and so it's sort of that doing what you're supposed to do, even if nobody sees you doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you're still choosing yeah. to do the right thing. <laughs> it's a so, big part, isn't it? And, and when we talk about the, the realm of college ball and college coaching, how important is that to a coach? That's big. Um, you're representing the school. So right. a moral compass, sportsmanship. Yes. You yep. know, not being a jerk out there and that's right. holding lines um, correctly. Mm -hmm. It matters. It matters. It yeah. Matters. You know, and, and, and so we have to like confront our children if we find they're, they're wanting to win so bad that they're, they're applying great gamesmanship in tournaments. It's up to the parents to pull the plug and maybe even pull the mana matches sometimes. Mm -hmm. Not allow it. Right. Um, if you're allowing it, if you're observing it and not doing anything about it, you're part of the problem, really. That's right. That's right. And that's such a hard one. I mean, mm -hmm. I know parents that that really grapple with that. You love your kid, you know, and, and maybe the personality on the court is different from the personality off the court. Sure. So a parent then goes, wait a minute, that's not the kid I know <laughs> what's going on out there. <laughs> um, and so it's a real dilemma for, for parents, you know, and do you pull them off the, the court? You know, you just paid the money and maybe you traveled or the time. And, and so are you really going to, with all of that on the line, you know, are you going to stand up and say, nope, pulling them, you cannot act like that. Or you go, oh, we'll talk about it after the match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a tough one for parents. I, I think. Um, no, it is for sure. But yeah, I gotta I gotta admit, it's one of the most important things you can do for your child with this whole accountability issue. Is right. you have to default them out of out of the tournament mm -hmm. and, and say, look, you, you get 
you know, three strikes with bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And after the third strike, I'm pulling you out of the tournament. And it's amazing how kids straighten up. Uh huh. They so, know. They know when they're when they're acting yeah. out. You know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'll I'll kind of go a little bit faster through these next few because we have some other great things to talk about. But um, you know, you list honesty, effort, you know, innovation. Um. Yes. Efficiency, loyalty, ethics, patience, desire, sincerity, open-mindedness. And then you finish this section saying, in the eyes of a future NCAA college coach, these character traits are equally important to your athlete's top spin backhands. <laughs> and so so you have to get the book to go through all the rest of them because we, we are going to move on to the next section. <laughs> <laughs> all right we, we could spend we could we could go through this and, and just <laughs> always <laughs> talk so following that up um and we just sort of were talking about it anyway uh negative character traits mm. um, and so we we go through another list and I'm, I'm just gonna read these out real quick um number one dishonesty uh confrontational unkind that's a huge one yeah you know, for for me it's like I, I if i were the coach of the college team and i am looking at a player scouting a player or whatever and i see them just being unkind that's gonna kind of i'm just gonna move on like i, yeah. I just you can't have that on your team it's like poison um yeah you know rude that goes right with it disrespectful <laughs> impatient abrasive, pessimistic, narcissistic, obnoxious, <laughs> combative. <laughs> what a list. <laughs> combative and unforgiving. Um, yeah, you know, when you look at the list that we were just going through and then you look at this list and you go, okay, yeah, as a, as a parent, as a coach, who, who would you rather have? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's meaningful too that, Parents be honest and maybe circle some of those traits, those destructive behaviors mm -hmm. that that maybe your child exhibits under under pressure and competition. And look, the the honesty is with with all of these negative character traits, they're contagious, and that's why college coaches will cross your child off the list if, if they're showing some of these behaviors. So we're trying to help you before you even get there because. There's nothing worse than sending your kid off to college and having them say, I don't like it here. My coach isn't going to play me anymore. I hate him. He's a jerk. And I want to go to a different school in Kansas or whatever. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's you, big. You, you go on to say parents must recognize that just as the numerous positive character traits they strive to instill in their athletes, there are many negative character traits they strive to negate. And so, sorry, that's my dog. She, she's playing with her bone. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so like you were just saying, if a parent can, can look at these two lists and go, yeah. And it's helpful for the parent to have a list. I mean, you would think that these ideas of, of honesty and integrity and respectfulness, they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Of course, you know, that's, but, but are you really, you know? And, and, and so I think as a parent to have it in front of them and go, well, you know, how would you evaluate your child 
in these areas. Um, yeah, I think parents know. assume, they speculate, they assume their kids know this stuff. But then the question really is, have you ever had this conversation with your kids? Right. Have you talked about these topics? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I always like preventative medicine yeah. instead of, you know, after the fact and trying to. But prehab. <laughs> yeah, prehab, right on. Uh, but it's, you know, it's back to that exposure or avoidance. You want to you want to offer exposure to these things so your kids understand it. You don't want to just avoid it and and pray they're going to learn it somewhere else. Right. Right. Because, you know, I think it is easy as a parent to say, well, of course, we've talked about that. Of course, you know, but but then that's why I like having these two lists. And I think it would be fun for the parent to do it, you know, without anybody around. And then what if you put the same two lists in front of the kid and say, well, you evaluate yourself, you know, yeah. what, I wonder what traits, positive or negative the player your child would identify with in themselves you know and then maybe then you compare notes i don't know that might be a bad idea <laughs> no i like the idea i think uh, it's always interesting for me to see different people's opinions on the same topic because you know we all know when we talk about personality profiling some people are wired very differently and they see the world differently absolutely so. you know and and you finish this and, and I love how, you know, just straightforward this is when you say avoidance does not solve the problem, you, you know, it, 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 oh. it as a, as a quick aside, uh, <laughs> in the restaurant world, um, when I was waiting tables, uh, when I was just starting out waiting tables, um, I, if things weren't going right, you know, like the kitchen's putting the food out too slow. We're not, we're not getting things quickly enough or whatever the case may be. If I have people at a table and they're unhappy, I would have a tendency, again, I'm telling myself, I would have a tendency to kind of hide. You know? <laughs> ah, I can't fix this. The food is just not here and the bar is backed up that your drink isn't there. And and so I'm just going to hide, <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's one of the big things that when we uh, talk about our, our service staff for like, if you get overwhelmed, ask for help. Don't just go hide from your tables. Yeah. You know, ask for help. Prehab, have the manager go over there and say, Hey folks, you know, I'm so sorry. The kitchen's a little bit backed up right now, but, but, you know, it, it's coming, you know, may I bring you a, a, an appetizer to snack on in the meantime, you know? So, so that's like a prehab versus yeah, just things are kind of going down. And so I'm just going to go hide in the back, <laughs> you know, you can't do that. So yeah, avoidance yeah. does not, <laughs> does not fix the problem. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> so our next section is psychosemantic dramas um mm. i really i really had to kind of think on this one as i was reading um you know the the thing that stood out to me most is the coping strategies um when you have these psychosemantic dramas you know what what can you you have to find a way to cope you know whether it's something simple as breathing you know take a minute and 
you know, let's bring your heart rate down. Let's cool off for a second. Um, but whatever the co co coping strategy may be, um, I think is interesting because I've seen psychosomatic dramas. We've seen this in juniors uh, and adults. You, get, you know, I mean, it, it happens. Um, so the way you describe it in the book, you say uh, this condition involves feelings of physical symptoms, usually lacking a clear medical explanation. Um, and you go on to say, by inventing problems, they temporarily get to avoid actual vulnerability. And that's what really kind of cemented it for me. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you're inventing these problems, but it's it's avoiding your actual vulnerability. Um, and so I just thought that that was a really big one uh, to bring up. Um, so, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about, about these dramas and how to cope. And I want to know how to say this word correctly. <laughs> you, is it a telephobia? It's, oh, it, it, you list a telephobia. Is the fear, yes. The actual yes. fear of flaws. And I was like, Oh, well, I did not know that there was an actual phobia. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know I looked it up. I didn't. I didn't know either. I, 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 I was like, that is not that it's great to have this problem, but it's like it's great to be able to identify <laughs> what what the problem may be. Um, you know, and that goes hand in hand with you list fear of failure and perfectionism, which we see mm -hmm. every single day, um, yes. and across the board. You know, and so a telephobia. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> the actual fear of flaws, you know, it, it, it can lead into a fear of competition entirely. And, you know, oh, so again, sure. if you don't deal with it and it continues to escalate, you know, then you could really find yourself in a, in a tough spot where now you're afraid to compete at all. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, I see it all the time too. And it's something that's very fixable. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of times with athletes, they really feel that if they give 100% of themselves, if they give 100% effort in their uh, preparation for, for matches, mm -hmm. if they give 100% in matches and they fail, it's all on them. But if they can preset a problem or a sickness or an injury before the match, mm -hmm. now if they fail, they have something to blame. So it's blame shifting right, with psychology. Absolutely. Yes, That's all really. for sure. I mean, yeah. the, the one memory that, that really came to mind when I was thinking about this is um, there was a lady, I was actually traveling with an um, adult team and we, we were, we'd gone down to Mobile and we're playing and um, we're sitting at dinner and I'm sitting next to this lady and, and she seems fine. She'd won her match that morning. And, um, you know, we're going into the next day, we're talking about the lineup. So I'm going to put her in singles. And, um, you know, she said, well, you know, I, I, I really hope I don't get a migraine. And I was like, well, do you feel a migraine coming on? And she said, well, no, not right now, but I'm just worried that I might have a migraine. And I was like, well, do you have something you can do <laughs> to, to avoid this? And um, and I said, okay, let's just sleep on it. We'll see how you feel in the morning. You know, so in the morning, go to her. I'm like, how are you feeling? You know, 
because I can put somebody else in, you know, if you're getting a migraine, if you feel one coming on, you know, let me put somebody else in and we'll, so you can take care of it. And she was like, no, 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 I'll be fine. You know, but then, like you said, she loses the match, she comes off and she's like, the migraine was just killing me, you know? And I was like, well, was it? <laughs> was it so really? we, it's not just for it's not just for kids right we know it's <laughs> but yeah i think it was meaningful that you uh you had her attempt and that's one of the big keys from parents is we have to when we hear these things like i don't know if i can play i'll give you an example too with a little story uh, i was in israel at a pro tournament and i, I was with a younger player mm-hmm. and before the first round, he comes to me the night before. Same kind of concept. My elbow's hurting so bad. I don't think I can play. I can't serve. My arm hurts. And so, of course, my response was, you know, we flew all the way to Israel. Let's just wake up in the morning and see how you feel. Right. And, of course, in the morning, my arm hurts. My arm hurts. So then I would respond, okay, let's just go and just try to warm up a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. So he would warm up some. My arm hurts. My arm hurts. Let's just try to play two games. If you could play two games of the first match, if it still hurts, you can quit. Right. Turns out he plays right. two two games. He realizes that the opponent was not even as good as he was. He wins that round. He wins two more rounds. Oh, and wow. then, yeah, by the end of that week, he's ranked, I think, 900 wow. on the tour. And he never even had a ranking. But if he would have followed this psychosomatic false injury, mm-hmm. He would have just flown home. Right. And and so anyway, it's it's common. Yes. You know, and, and again, as as from the parents' perspective, you know, if they start to see a pattern of this, again, mm-hmm. trying to identify this as a pattern and and you know, it, it, if your shoulders been bothering you, have have you been stretching, you know, have have you iced your shoulder or you know, are you doing things to cope or you know or are you just letting it happen and so again that's a big part of the job description for a parent um uh to do this um so moving on uh parental stressors so Uh, left unattended parental stress can have a very negative impact on your athlete's mental health and performance ability Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. But let's expand on that a little. <laughs> yeah, great. Your well, your mental health as the as the parent, right? It's obviously mm-hmm. we've talked about modeling already and your mm-hmm. your energy, mm-hmm. even though you might be saying certain words, your tone of voice or your body language might be saying yep. something otherwise, right? So your energy plays a big role. So we have to kind of pay attention to what stresses us out as parents. And then learn how to cope with that too. Uh, avoidance, like if if you get stressed with traffic, uh, you you might want to leave early. That's all. Right. It's just simple <laughs> things like that, right? right? Um, <laughs> um, but, again, if you're following on in the book, we're we're now uh, on page eighty three, and there's um, three. Uh, groups of, of stressors for your, for the parental stressors. Um, again, we won't go through them all, but you've, div- you've divided them into organizational stressors, match day stressors, and then personal stressors. Yeah. 
And I think that pretty much covers <laughs> all all of the stressors. It really does. Um, so, so, you know, as a parent, you start looking at all these things. And so they, they need help too, you know? <laughs> you know, uh, and I love how when you finish this section, you actually talk about, you know, the parents, you know, if you're feeling so burdened or, or, sorry, that was the dog, <laughs> um, you know, what, what to do. And you're like, take time away, you know, connect, reconnect with a non-tennis friend, you know, just, just be normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have a normal life. You know, so, so I, I just think as, as a parent, how they handle the stressors that are ever present. Um, again, the, your, the athletes watching um, and hopefully the parent and the coach and the athlete can be on the same page about, okay, we know, we know these things are there. You know, we know these stressors are there. So yeah. what are we going to do? Again, the idea of like a prehab <laughs> or a coping skill, what are we going to do knowing that, these stressors are there, you know, it's kind of like you've been doing it long enough. If somebody's just starting out or, or done it a long time, you, you are able to identify what those stressors are and what are the ones that, that trigger you. Um, and just to be aware, you know, the awareness. Yeah. I know? think that's the, that's a big key. And it's look, you don't parent, you don't have to watch every practice. Right. You don't have to hang on the fence and help coach. Right. Um, yep. You do have to know what's going on and you do want to communicate with your child's coach because after all, you are the weekend coach most of the time. You're the one taking your kids to the matches. Um, but it's also really important that you don't show stress or worry about, about the outcome. Right. If, you're, if your pep talk is involving things like Look, you're going to beat a pusher today, uh, and if you can play a pusher and beater, you're going to get the college scholarship, and your UTR ranking is going to go to here if you don't blow it. And we spent two thousand dollars to get you here to this tournament. If you think that's motivating, mating your kid is it's not. You're scaring the heck out of your kid. Right. So <laughs> it's really big that we just talk about performance goals. That's right. You know, and if you do know a little bit about the game you could even talk about things like opponent profiling if you know a little bit about the opponent and maybe what to avoid and things like that but those are all those are performance related topics they're not outcome topic topics yep if you're talking about the outcome they're stressed about the outcome yeah and if they're stressed about the outcome they're not going to perform well so yeah. that's big that's uh, that 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 would <laughs> what you just said is, is that, that is sort of at the heart of the matter, you know? So, so um, yeah. kind of, kind of coming full circle here, the, the next section um, thriving versus suffering. So we got to, we go back yes. to that initial idea of chapter six um, and this is page 85, but um, you know, software subjects to discuss. And so again, having an open line of communication that you can feel okay telling the truth you can you can really yeah. not just say what you're supposed to say not just say what you know is expected as a response but really 
really actually sitting down and identifying these things and, and how it will, like you said, affect performance. Um, so a couple of these things, I'm just going to go, go through a few here. Um, number one, frustration tolerance, like mm. check, <laughs> you know, focus ability. Um, you know, I had a, a player that needed, uh, he was Adderall or one of those for ADD or ADHD and the mom, this kid was younger. So, and the mom was like, I can't believe I forgot to give him his, you know, medicine, you know? And so, and, and, and it really was, this was not psychosomatic, like, like it really did affect his ability to focus. And so again, you know, having those routines that you do before matches, you know, when you're, that should be part of it, obviously, you know, um, but moving on, you know, uh, seek growth, conquer fear, confidence, effort, mm. sacrifice, a sense of gratitude, innate ability to fight. I like that one. <laughs> Courage, optimism, leadership, and ability to suffer. Um, so just pick a few of, of those. And um, like I said, we don't have time today to go through through them all as much as I'd love to. Uh, let's just pick a few uh, that stand out to you um, from this list. Okay. Well, these are software essentials, right? So we've talked about the hardware as strokes and athleticism and yes. software is mental and emotional. And mm-hmm. parents can educate software. That's right. And um we, so frustration tolerance, obviously, when we see the kids that thrive in, in tournament competition, they can mm-hmm. handle it. They can handle frustrations and little things don't bother them. The kids that lose early are the ones that are upset about almost everything. Right. And I think it does boil down to sometimes perfectionism traits. Absolutely. It's important, I think, that Parents and, and children, they, they know that even the top athletes in the world are not perfect. Right. So right. like IBM Watson does all the stats now with all every pro match. And in, in, in a year, a fiscal year, I think it's important that children and parents know that like Roger Federer, uh, a few years back, he won 54% of all the points he played that year. Mm-hmm. Novak won 53%. Yes. Uh, Rafa won 55 that's it. Right. Right. Yeah. These know, are the players like, that are winning like $18 million a year in prize money. <laughs> and the players that are winning th- only th- a measly $3 million a year, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not winning 50, 50, they're winning like 48%, maybe yeah. 50%. It's right. very small fractions. 50%, you win $3 right. million. 53%, you're winning $18 million. <laughs> But they're not perfect. They're not winning a hundred percent. Right. So you know, like I, I've I've said to to kids in the past that uh again, the fear of competition, fear of failure, perfectionism. Um yeah. you know, th- th- I mean I had I had a girl that, you know, she's up a set and, and like down a break in the second set and she just starts crying. She just falls apart. And I'm like, 
no, that's heartbreaking. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to, as a parent, as a coach, to to see that. Um, that's part yeah. of you know conquering fear and 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 those things. But you know, you say by understanding and applying these software essentials, your athlete will thrive under the typical game day mm-hmm. stress of competition, and and that really, um, you know, how do you thrive? And it goes back to what we were just talking about, you know, optimism versus pessimism, you know, if, if you're winning, but you played a bad couple of points, you know, and so now it's just, everything is terrible. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and, and so how you can stay in the moment, um, and yeah, I mean, if a match was played out of a hundred points, hundred points total, how many do you need to win? 51. <laughs> you know? That means you can lose 49 and still win. <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah, yeah, no, go ahead, please. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's all, it's all part of this um, journey. It's part of the parents understanding that life skills do matter mm-hmm. and parents should be a part of the tennis journey. We, we, uh, Obviously, not only are you paying the bills, but we want to be a, a part of our child's life. Yeah. It's really important. We should be involved. But there's certain job descriptions that we should focus on. And there's also maybe job descriptions that the coaches should be focusing on. And knowing your job description is going to help the harmony of the entourage, yep. Yep. You know, the relationship between parent, athlete, and coach. And and that really does make the journey so much more fun when everybody understands the job and it helps everybody. It helps the coach tremendously if the athletes have these life skills. Right. Because they're going to come through under pressure. They're going to handle pressure. They're going to be leaders. Um, so anyway, the well, book, well, oh, that's what it's designed. The whole, the whole book is designed so parents can just take a, a quick peek into uh, their job descriptions and mm-hmm. hopefully help the process instead of hurt the process. Absolutely. Um, well, well, Frank, I, I just, um, I always enjoy uh, when, when we can talk and, and uh, go through the, going through this book is fantastic. So if, uh, if you're new here, if, if this is your first one, um, please know that we've, we've been going through uh, chapter by chapter and you can find us um, on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you find your podcast, we're on iTunes um, and SoundCloud. Uh, so um, there's more good stuff. <laughs> That we've already done and uh we're looking forward to the next uh next chapters as well so um frank once again thank you so much for taking the time um and sharing your knowledge (laughs) yeah thanks everybody and and feel free to share this with uh any other parents that might be struggling along their journey that's right all righty yep yep thank you frank we'll talk okay bye okay bye